welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you very much. Uh, unashamedly plug, if you're interested in youth work as well, come and speak to me afterwards as well. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, great. So we're approaching the final two weeks in our Wise Up series, looking at the book of Proverbs. And uh, this week, I was driving to Heathrow. And uh, my journey down there was lovely. Surprisingly, the M40 and the M25 was really quiet. There was no traffic. And uh, I approached the drop-off point at Terminal 3 to drop my in-laws off. Uh, for them to fly back to the States, only to discover that to drop my in-laws off, not to park, just to drop them off, literally boot them out the door, throw their bags towards them. I actually really love my in-laws, by the way, that wasn't. Um, I have to pay, or you have to pay, you may already know this, five pounds, five pounds for a two-minute drop-off. Much to say, when I discovered this, slightly annoyed. Uh, My annoyance only grew more Uh, in the way of frustration on the journey back. This was because the roads were a lot busier. And uh, if I'm 100% honest, I tend to have a little bit of road rage on the motorway. And and maybe you can relate. Hang on, listen first before you judge. Don't judge. Look at your own hearts. Let's see if you uh, also feel these things. Because on the way home, there are two things that I dislike most about people who drive on the motorway. The first thing... Give me a a holler if you uh, relate to this. It's people who just drive in the middle lane. (laughs) See? Now you all agree with me. Uh, People drive in the middle lane. They're chugging along, focused purely on the middle lane. There's no other traffic around them. They're doing 70. Uh, Yeah, anyway. (laughs) I'll be having some prayer later. Uh, And the second thing is, uh, this happened to me on the way home. So so I I passed loads of people in the middle lane. I think they all must have come out on Wednesday just to annoy me. Um, As I was approaching this one car in the middle lane, it was kind of swerving a little bit. And I was like, oh, uh, be aware of that. And as I uh, went past them, this car started to come closer and closer to my car. We've just bought a brand new car. I was driving it, wasn't, was like, oh gosh, this could be, uh... anyway, I looked down and the guy who was driving the car was texting on his phone, second big annoyance of people who drive. Obviously, I was only doing 70, 71 miles an hour at the time. (laughs) And, And this made me furious and it made me really angry. And the reason it did is because I have seen, um, the devastation caused by people not concentrating on the roads. And today, surprisingly, we're going to be looking at the whole area of anger. It's something which I think affects us all. We all get angry, we all get annoyed by stuff, and we may already know ourselves that we have a bit of an anger issue, or maybe we've seen it in our spouse, our parents, our children, our work colleagues, our friends. So when was the last time you got angry? Was it on the way here this morning and somebody cut you up in the car? Was it because your housemate or your spouse didn't put the dirty dishes in the dishwasher last night? Or was it watching the news last night and you saw something that you just made your blood boil? An injustice maybe that came up on the news. Now, honest moment, uh, in my home growing up, anger was an ever-present. And the result has meant that I have battled 
with anger my whole entire adult life. I'd love to stand here in front of you and say that I don't have, I don't get angry, I don't, you know, I've dealt with it, it's all good, but I do still struggle. And I'm on a journey with God to try and free myself from the trappings of it. And I hope that this morning, as we look at this whole area of anger, uh, you too will come to realise that God is very much interested in setting you free. Because when we look at the Bible, we see numerous examples of anger occurring. From the beginning in Genesis, where Cain kills Abel because of his frustration and his anger. Levi and Simeon destroy a city in anger. Saul tries to kill David because of his anger. Peter gets angry when Jesus gets arrested so much that he chops off one of the ears of the guards who come to arrest Jesus. And James and John, two of Jesus' disciples, are nicknamed the Sons of Thunder. And I reckon that's because Jesus knew that they had a bit of a temper. And finally, we see Jesus showing his anger, turning over tables and remonstrating with people in the temple. Reading the Bible shows us that anger and the characters that we know is a present for each of us. So it's not too hard to realise or surprised to realise that we too can suffer from anger. And as we look at anger this morning, I want to look at three things. Firstly, anger is part of our DNA. I want to look at two areas of anger, destructive and constructive. And then thirdly, I want to look at how we can walk in the way of wisdom. So firstly, anger is part of our DNA. You know, anger is part of the society. We see it in TV programmes, in films, in music lyrics, in sport. If any of you are football fans last weekend, the Spurs manager and the Chelsea manager got into a fracas because one of them wouldn't let the other one hand go at the end of the game when they were shaking hands and there was all this furore about it. We see anger becoming more normalised and even sometimes celebrated. Now, you might find this surprising, but anger is part of your design. We see in the Bible that God gets angry. In Psalm 7:11, we read that God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his anger every day. God's anger is actually against sin, rebellion, evil and injustice. Psalm 30 verse 5 says that God's anger lasts a moment, but so thankfully his favour lasts a lifetime. We can be confident that God's anger is not the end of our story or his story, but we can't deny it either. It's a very real thing and a force to be reckoned with. Well, what about Jesus? Well, Jesus being in very like of God, God man, we see him have the same anger that God shows in the Old Testament. His anger, again, is towards sin, rebellion, evil and injustice. And as I mentioned, we see Jesus turning over the tables in the temple because of the injustice that was happening right in front of his eyes. But also in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, we see Jesus looking around at people in anger because of their stubborn hearts. And then later in Ephesians, Paul writes in Ephesians 4 that it is acceptable for us as believers to become angry, but not for that anger to lead to sin. So if we believe that we are made in God's image, as it says in Genesis and in Psalm 139, then, then actually anger is part of our DNA too, because it's part of his now, in the New Testament, there are two different translations of anger. One means a passion or an energy, and the other means agitated and boiling. This is where we need to ask the question of what kind of anger that we're showing. What makes us angry? 
One commentator states that if God himself gets angry, anger is not bad or sinful emotion. It inevitably leads to a bad or sinful behaviour. Just as God's anger is righteous, so our anger can drive us to take actions that are good and right and honourable. So having a passion or an energy of anger, which leads us to action to good things, show that a good show of anger is a good thing. But the problem comes when we demonstrate the other side of anger, this agitated, boiling anger. Are we showing this anger, which manifests itself in frenzied behaviour, which is destructive, dangerous, out of control and sometimes even violent? These are factors which can impact our level of anger. Some people blow up at the smallest thing, whilst others seem to have endless patience. For for some of you, like I said earlier, this might have been impacted by the environment that you grew up in, just as I did. The behaviours that you saw were normalised, and growing up, bursts of anger would occur over the smallest thing. This example that I grew up in shaped my life. My view of how I deal with challenge, arguments, or when things don't quite happen the way that I hoped that they would have. But God is in the process of change and freedom. Or maybe the flip side of that, your anger, you you saw anger growing up and you've decided that you are not going to demonstrate that kind of anger in any way, shape or form in your entire life. You've seen the negative impact it's had and you're like, I'm not having any of that. Anger can stay over there. I'm not uh, facing it. Well, I would suggest to you, if it hasn't already, that it will have an impact on you because you're trying to squash it and suppress it. Either you've pushed it down or you're denying it. Either way, it will come out. And in both extremes, research shows us that the body has its way of showing us the impact that anger can have. Heart problems, insomnia, digestion issues, depression, mental health stuff, high blood pressure, anxiety, are all a few ways in which our body tells us that there's something going on. And in a recent report, Christian counsellors reported that 50% of the people that they see come because they are trying to deal with anger. So it's a real issue. So let's look at these constructive and, destru- uh, constructive and destructive anger. Firstly, destructive anger. This anger is probably the one that most of us are familiar with. It's the one that we see most prevalent. We've witnessed it in our families, in our friends, our colleagues... And it's dangerous. One commentator says that this kind of anger doesn't solve anything. It builds nothing, but it can destroy everything. It can cause serious harm to ourselves and others. And even if we try to suppress it, it will still cause harm to ourselves, to our relationships with others, and our relationship with the Lord. This anger can be difficult to control. It can be explosive like the wildfires that we've seen recently on the news across this country and and further. It can quickly rage out of control. Proverbs 24 says, Anger is cruel and overwhelming. It can often be that we can't control it. And another another person says, Anger is like a flame blazing up and consuming our self-control, making us think, say and do things that we will probably regret later. And Proverbs 29, 22 says, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. 
Proverbs 29.11 tells us that only a fool gives full vent to anger. So lots of warnings in Proverbs. This same commentator I mentioned earlier shares five ways that they say leads us to sin against other people. Firstly, instead of building up others, it can lead us to tear down them with our words. Instead of living in peace, secondly, instead of living in peace with each other, it leads us to quarrelling and strife. Proverbs 15:18 says, a hot-tempered person stirs up strife. Anger often leaves in its wake wounded people and broken relationships. Thirdly, instead of kindness to others, it leads us to be cruel with our words and our actions. Proverbs 27:4 again says, anger leads us to being cruel. It makes us to do things that are extreme, things that we would never do or say if we were angry. Fourthly, instead of being willing to love and forgive, it leads us to hold on to bitterness. And bitterness is an unwillingness to forgive. Ephesians 4.31 says that we are to let go of all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamour and slander and they are to be put away from us. And fifthly, they suggest instead of acts of love for others, it leads us to do acts of malice. But not only does this type of anger destroy our relationships with each other, it also destroys our relationship with God. It can block our ability to experience the fullness that God has for us. We can't worship the Lord fully in our hearts if we're full of anger. Trust me, I've tried. It doesn't work. Matthew 5:24 encourages us to deal with our anger before coming to worship the Lord. Now, this might be because somebody has uh, done something to us which means we've got anger in our heart towards somebody else, or it might be that we've done something to somebody else which has made them angry. Either way, we're told, we're instructed by Jesus to deal with it and come before we come to worship. This type of anger is purely a work of the flesh. Colossians 3a encourages us to get rid of such things like anger and wrath. These things are part of our old life before we, meet Je- before we met Jesus and they need to die and stay there. I stand here as someone who is trying to deal with this, to deal with anger, to try and find out what the root causes of my anger are. I've even had therapy and given it to the Lord so many times and I, as I said, I'm on this journey but none of us are immune to it. And I want to encourage you that if something I'm saying this morning starts to get you thinking, if God's got his finger on something, then please, please, we'd love to pray for you afterwards. Remember, this kind of anger is dangerous. Proverbs is very explicit in this when it tells us, make no friendship with a person given to anger, nor go with a wrathful person. Think for a moment, what is it that gets you angry like this? What is it that makes your blood boil or makes you use expletives that you wouldn't normally ever use? On the flip side, we've got constructive anger. This kind of anger is is the one that we see God and Jesus showing so clearly in scripture. It takes us to, uh, leads us to action to resolve a situation. It's the kind of anger that, uh, that spurs us on to fight for what's right and for God's cause. And let's face it, as we look out right now, there's a lot that can, we can get angry about. People not being able to heat their homes. People not being able to put food on their plates. People 
that are, are being mistreated in all sorts of forms of different way. Climate change, people living in war zones and conflict, people being exploited, corruption. You can fill in the blank for yourself. A few years ago, uh, a few of our young people uh, got angry about climate change, really angry about climate change, and the use of single plastics in particular. And so they joined a youth panel with a charity called Tear Fund, and they got together as a youth group and decided to do something about it. Now, we held a summer party every year, and uh, the result of this uh, kind of anger in these young people, this constructive anger, was that they wanted the summer party to be completely, uh, almost carbon neutral, as much as we could do. So everything was either reused or recyclable, or you know, was, was owned by someone and given back, rather than us kind of using single-use stuff. And the result of that was that they actually went to the church trustees and said, we need to, as a church, recycle more. And you can see the results of that over there at the kitchen. But maybe your anger, anger is directed at something that has directly affected you or someone you know. We all know what it's like to be wrong. And this is why we get really angry when people get away with stuff. When people get off on a technicality. Especially if it's someone that we know that was hurt. Or something that hits home for us. But we need to be careful, even with this kind of anger. It says in Ephesians that we can get angry, but not to lead us to sin. And our desire for our justice leads us to not trust God's justice. We may refuse uh, to let go of a grudge. We may want to get revenge on the person that's hurt us. We may see, want to see that person uh, come to harm or downfall. Or it might lead us to unforgiveness or bitterness. And some of you listening right now have every reason to feel that anger. You have been mistreated in ways most of us can never, ever imagine. Maybe you've never told anybody else about it. But I want to encourage you that the Lord knows and the Lord cares for you right now. And for some of you, he's saying to you, I want you to give me that anger. Because actually, he doesn't want you to fall into sin. He doesn't want you to live with this anger inside of you. He wants to bring you freedom from it. The freedom that comes from Christ. To choose freedom. And God is faithful to redeem all situations for his glory. So constructive anger can give us this energy to help us solve problems. And in the book of John, we see Jesus, as I've mentioned, turning over tables because he's so angry that people are being stopped from going in the temple to worship the Lord. So maybe your anger is around the fact that people are watering down the gospel of Jesus. Maybe it's because you see the barriers that are stopping people from encountering the Lord, maybe in the persecuted church. Or maybe you're just angry at the works and the schemes of the enemy which are trying to destroy people and their chance to meet Jesus. All anger, whether right or wrong, is an indication that something isn't right in us. It's like looking at your dashboard on a car that, and, and seeing the lights flashing towards us. It tells us that something isn't right and something needs our attention. And it's the same for us. The warning light might be for you around this whole area of destructive anger, or it might be around this whole area of constructive anger. Either way, I think this morning God is saying to you, 
pay attention to that flashing light. I might be calling you to do something about it. So are we paying attention to that warning light? Third and finally, walk the way of wisdom. Now, before we move into a time of response, I want to finally try and look at how we deal with this anger. And this could take all day, but I'm hopefully going to cut it down to quite a short amount of time. Uh, <laughs> and how we can walk this way of wisdom. So Proverbs 16.32 says, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Basically, the writer is here saying, sometimes it takes more strength and courage to control our emotions than it is to capture a fortified city. Think of that for a second. So how do we walk this way of freedom? Well, I want to suggest just two things quickly as we come into land. Firstly, recognise it. We need to recognise the presence of anger in our life. When do we get angry? What are the circumstances around our anger? When do we feel anger rising up inside of us? Do we have a stiffening in our posture? Do we suddenly start swearing for no reason? Do we clench a fist? Does our jaw set in place? Do we have a rising frustration inside of us? Confusion, impatience, irritability. Does our voice suddenly start changing? Does it get you know, more louder and deeper and crosser? Whatever it is, be aware of what's going on. Because the sooner you realise what's going on, the sooner you can start to do something about it. Maybe you're already quite aware of how anger uh, manifests itself in you. And from this, we can start to understand why we're getting angry and what the cause of our anger is and what the problem is. Not the person who may have caused the anger, but the issue which arose by what the person maybe did. Because we want to address the issue, not the person. Even though the person might be fully responsible for the issue, our intention as followers of Jesus is to be a help to them rather than to punish them. Sometimes other angry people either encourage us or promote our anger. You know, that's the whole, like, oh, yeah, I'm really angry about that. Oh, yeah, me too. And it's like a tennis match. Well, Proverbs 22, as I said, encourages us to avoid people that would lead us down this path of sin. So firstly, <clears throat> recognise it. And secondly, deal with it. Sometimes we can try to bottle it up, push it down and try and live a way that kind of, it doesn't exist, it's anger's just down here and I'm not going to look at it. It's an elephant in the room. But actually this is like a toxic dump for our bodies. We bury it, but at some point it will seep out. It will have an impact, most likely on our own body, our mindsets or our relationships. Mark Twain, a novelist and travel writer, says, our anger is an acid that does more harm to the vessel which it is stored than by anything on which it may be poured. So let's be real. If you have an anger, recognise it and let's deal with it. We have a choice. It's a painful one. I know that. But to do nothing will be more devastating than to do something. Let's not deny our anger or bottle it up. But let's not spew it out in destructive manners either. Perhaps your choice will be to, to change a particular circumstance or at least try and make a difference in the world, like our youth group did a few years ago. Maybe it's to fight for a bigger injustice that you see. But we might need to seek further assistance. We've got a ministry here called Sozo, a prayer ministry, and I encourage you to book onto one of those where you can invite God into your healing and what you're feeling 
in that moment. However, all the way through this, we need to focus on the Lord. What is God saying in this situation? Put the issue in the context of God's wisdom towards you and recognise it as part of his training to help you trust him and to submit to his will. Whatever the situation is, let's try and love whoever the source of that anger might be, even if it's yourself. Proverbs 10:12 says uh, that hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all wrongs. The love of Jesus on the cross covers all our wrongs and all other people's wrongs and brings freedom if we choose to trust him and follow him. Jesus, the wisdom of God, our example, calls us to love our enemies, pray for those who persecute us and turn the other cheek. Proverbs, again, provides the wisdom of when, when we're in a situation where we need to speak peace and not escalate it with more anger. Proverbs 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many times have you witnessed a gentle answer just completely de-escalate the situation that you're in? Sometimes we can channel our energy of anger into physical exercise, into running, swimming, going to the gym, which is all a good thing, but actually what's better is spiritually exercising ourselves. It's much more effective. Spend regular time meditating on God's word and his forgiveness for you through the cross and to seek and experience his forgiveness for you so that we can share it with other people. Because we can't control others, but we can do something about what's going on in ourselves. Overcoming a temper is not accomplished overnight. I know this, but through prayer, Bible study, and reliance on God's Holy Spirit, ungodly, destructive anger can be overcome. Maybe anger is entrenched in your life. Maybe it's a habitual practice. But we can flip it and start practicing the way of peace, the way of wisdom, so that actually that becomes our response and God is glorified. God's will for you is to be free, to throw off everything that hinders you, the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run the race that he has for us. So let us focus on God's undeserved love, kindness and forgiveness towards us. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And this morning, the spirit of the Lord is here in this place. And so as a result of that, there is freedom. So let's respond as I invite the worship team to come up with faith that today, in this place, you can start the path of freedom with the Lord in this area. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit. And as we worship together, I just want you to just spend time with the Lord, just asking, what is it that you're saying to me, God? What is it that you're saying to me? And what is it that you'd want me to do about it? What is it that you're calling me to do about it? Maybe you've experienced anger in your home, in your home life. Maybe you currently are. Maybe you know that you, uh, you've, you've got a problem with anger. And that's okay, because it's better to bring it into the light than leave it in the darkness. Or maybe the Lord is actually calling you uh, to do something about the whole area of injustice. You've seen something on the news. It's been put on your heart already, but you've done nothing about it. And this morning, the Lord is saying to you, 
this is the time, this is what I want you to do about it. So why don't you stand with me if you can, and I'm going to pray, and then the band are going to lead us, and then I'm going to hand over to Cap and to Emma, who will lead us through the rest of our time of response together. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.